0: How's it going on this great Wednesday afternoon? My name is Hayden Joyner, and this is Off the Bench, your Top Sports Talk Show here on XLR Land University Radio. I am joined with co-hosts Liam Worley and Chris Fordberry. As always, guys, wildcard weekends finished up. How are you how are you guys feeling going into the divisional round?
1: Great. Yeah, as a neutral NFL
0: fan, I'm uh
1: I'm excited to get uh, this weekend going.
0: It's probably I mean, this is, this is easily right the first time that – I mean, one of our hosts has had a team in the divisional round, let alone two of them. So, I'm feeling I'm feeling fine and dandy right now. Yes, sir. My Cowboys, Chris. Your Bengals got over a huge upset against the Chargers, or well, not really upset, but a comeback. Bengals. When well, I say, Bengals. Jaguars. You're from since you're not you're not, you're from Ohio. You got Ohio State stuff. So he wishes what? he was from Ohio. What, what is going on?
1: right <laughs> now? I'm so He's a wild. big old. He is a big Ohio guy. He's am I just, losing uh, my mind?
0: Am I losing my mind? Yeah. Is that what it is? Yeah, a little bit. It's been a long day. Yes. Chris. Yeah. Yes, you're not yeah. from Ohio. You're an Ohio State fan. You always yes. wear a Bengals hoodie into the studio, which confuses I do.
2: Me. I do. I am a big Bengals fan <laughs> because they have a lot of Ohio State players on their team.
0: There you go. So you gotta cut the Bengals hoodie out of the out of the rotation. You gotta wear a Jaguars hoodie. I don't even think you do you even own a Jaguars hoodie?
2: I don't own any Jaguars memorabilia, but I I need to start getting some
0: then you're a Bengals fan, I, I feel like. I
2: mean, I know more I, – I know a lot about both teams, but, you know, I'm from Jacksonville, been, been a Jaguar fan longer, so I guess there, there you go.
0: What do you – there's been a ton of the AFC talk about, like, having a, a Bills-Chiefs rematch, but I always see, like, the other counter where you can get a, a Joe Burrow-Trevor Lawrence rematch in the AFC title game, you know, reminiscent of that 2019 championship.
1: Right. Well, I haven't even thought of that. That would be kind of dope.
0: Which would you rather see?
2: I'd love to see Jags Bengals. That's a that's a win win for me.
0: Yeah, one of your teams is guaranteed a Super Bowl appearance.
2: Exactly. Yeah,
0: that that'd be fun. It'd give us. I mean, the Bengals aren't really new. I'd rather see the Bills than the Bengals in the Super Bowl, but it would give us something, some interesting storylines. Jaguars back to the AFC title game, but we'll get to those predictions later. Uh, we got a short show for everybody today. We're on Zoom as well. And all we're gonna do: is recap wildcard Weekend and, and preview a little bit of the divisional round matchups. We got four this week, and uh, we'll get all of, four of those decided for game picks later on. Liam's pretty much wrapped up game picks, so not much to play for other than pride. I think me and Chris still have second place to deal out, but it's pretty close. Yeah, I had a good
2: week last weekend.
0: Yeah, I think. What did you What did you go? I went. I went four I and went two. You went five, and one. Two and five and one. Liam went three and three. So a little reverse order, but. We'll try to redeem ourselves here with the divisional round but we'll jump into wild card weekend we got six games to review super wild card weekend if i want to be uh you know a puppet of the nfl because we're trying to push that super into that title but we'll start with the latest game the monday night game the cowboys bucks game that was one of the closer spreads of the weekend it was poised to be a you know a high-flying matchup tom brady the dallas cowboys two of the biggest draws in the nfl currently and it was the Cowboys that broke a like 30 plus year road losing streak in the playoffs. They defeat the Buccaneers uh, in Tampa Bay with a score of 31 to 14. This is a game that had four missed extra points. Uh, Dak Prescott put on a clinic, and Tom Brady looked like he might want to retire early. And I mean, for a Cowboys fan, this game was just fun up and down. I, I honestly, I don't want to go into the whole thing, like I said last week, about how I really thought we were going to lose because I genuinely did think the Cowboys were going to lose this game. They, I mean, after the performance they put up in Washington a week prior and just the history of the way this team usually performs, I had no no respect really for the way they went into this game thinking that they were going to pull it off because, you know, below 500 Buccaneers team led by Tom Brady in a game that the Cowboys are meant to win, those are the games they usually falter in on the road in the playoffs. But they still, you know, somehow snuck in the victory, their first uh, their first road playoff win and since the 90s. And, you know, they found a way to win. And they advanced to the divisional round to face a hot 49ers team at Brock Purdy. And, I mean, I'm excited for that matchup. But for you two, neutral fans, give me – what What was some of your insights, your big takeaways from this Cowboys-Buccaneers game? I mean, Dak lit it up. Tom Brady looked bad. Do you think the way the Cowboys performed can translate into, into Santa Clara uh, this upcoming Sunday?
1: Uh, I think it can. I mean, uh, the Buccaneers have a pretty stout defense all the way around. I mean, and uh, San Francisco definitely does as well. So if you can play uh, like you did last week, which what a great performance by Dak. Uh, My opinion, he probably had the best overall performance of a quarterback uh, in the super wild card weekend. So if he can continue that, I expect it to be at least a competitive matchup. Uh, but I mean, y'all had great all around team play on both sides of the ball, aside from, uh, you know, maybe a little fella missing four extra points, but we'll overlook that for the time being. And, uh, I think it can translate to a possibly even a win out there in Santa Clara, but I don't know, uh, about all that because Brock Purdy played pretty dang well for his first, uh, playoff game.
2: So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, I think, um. Looking at it, you know the Bucks was probably this is probably one of the worst coach teams in the playoffs. Uh, I don't think Todd Bowles has any business being a head coach. He was never good before when he was a head coach, and he sure isn't good now. Uh, taking a team that had a, a lot of talent to a below five hundred record and a abysmal uh, performance in the playoffs. So I'm looking more at the coaching side for the reason the Bucks game went the way that it did. Uh, as for the Dallas Cowboys this weekend in uh, San francisco uh, I think I think it'll be it, it's hard for me to sit here and think that Dallas is gonna have a chance to win this game when historically or for what we know recently they haven't played very well against San Francisco and especially this being the most talented San Francisco team I think the Cowboys will have faced uh, here recently um, Dallas has a has a you know kind of a bad streak going with not making it past the divisional round since the 90s. Um, I don't know if that's going to end with this matchup. I think this is probably the worst team they could have faced going into the divisional round. And uh, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see if the same Dallas team can back it up. However, I don't think that the Bucks team was necessarily very good that they played with a 45-year-old quarterback going 66 passes because you have no run game whatsoever. That's really not going to work out. So those are my thoughts
1: and they just fired byron Leftwich today so yeah that uh that proves
0: to uh oh, liam's turned into a robot again chris been nah. pretty faulty <laughs> so building off season for the buccaneers Yeah, with Brian Lefwitz gone, I can't imagine. You know, Todd Bowles has been fired yet, unless I've just missed any social media posts today. But I can't imagine he's super far behind. It was a disappointing year for the Buccaneers overall. Eight and nine, they scraped by to a playoff berth, and you know, people had faith going into going to the playoffs for them, and that's kind of the reason I thought the Cowboys were going to lose because you just you can't you can't falter Tom Brady in the playoffs. You just simply never know what's going to happen. He's the goat. For a reason, he's got all his rings for a reason, and you know he's led he's led teams to the playoffs before and and had runs, and you know all of them all of them were quality teams, but some 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 teams you didn't expect to be Super Bowl champions, and he would still drag them there, and it was kind of the same with his Bucks team, where I didn't believe that they would go far, but. As a as an eight-nine team hitting the or hitting the, the wild card weekend round, they couldn't have asked for a better draw than the Cowboys, just historical wise, because you know that's a game the Cowboys are historically gonna kind of screw up in. But the Buccaneers, you know, you lose this game in, in, in pretty bad fashion in front of your home crowd. And you're entering an offseason now where Tom Brady's forty-five. He's probably looking to leave. Um, if you saw his postgame press conference after after the game against the Cowboys, he was kind of like saying, Thank you to a lot of the staff members around Tampa Bay. A lot of the sending good regards to the reporters in in the in the conference room because you know he's built a rapport with those guys. And it did kind of seem like a farewell. And if that is it for Tom Brady and Tampa Bay, the speculation will already begin this entire off season uh, up until the Super Bowl, after the Super Bowl, and all the way until August and September when the season starts about where Tom Brady is going to be or wherever he does end up, how it's going to implement. Um, not a lot of options really, but the. Bu- uh, the Miami Dolphins have thrown something in the water, but don't think there's too much to that. The Raiders are are one of the bigger landing spots people are are suggesting. The 49ers as well, with their quarterback situation, whether they're gonna stick with Brock Purdy or move on from him or keep both with him and Trey Lance or, or bring in a veteran like Tom Brady to kind of seal the deal and win them a Super Bowl if they don't end up getting that this year. What what do we kind of think with the future going forward for for Tom Brady? I would think he's
1: – I think he's trying to get one more run in, and which, I mean, that's been said so many times. But if that does prove to be true, I think he would go out to Vegas. I think they have, uh, you know, the best all round offense, especially uh, with skill players. I mean, Josh Jacobs was the rush yards leader this year. Devontae Adams, Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro, Matt Collins. I mean, bunch of bunch of solid receivers there as well. They can build up that O line a little bit. And uh, you know, they they're probably gonna need some coaching changes as well if we would see them, you know, be successful in the playoffs. Uh so I, I mean, I could see that, but I, I don't think San Francisco, I think they'll end up rallying behind uh at least one, if not both of those uh young quarterbacks that they have.
2: Yeah. yeah. What do you got, Chris? Oh, I was just going to say, I think, you know, it would be funny if he went to like a Jets or a Miami to play against New England, go back into that division again. But I, I don't see that happening. I think uh best case scenario for Tom is that San Francisco comes up short in the uh, playoffs this year, maybe gets to the championship game or Super Bowl, and it may be poor quarterback play is not able to push them over the edge. Uh, And they would look to a guy like him to get the job done, seeing that they've been to the Super Bowl twice in a matter of five years and not been able to win. Uh, I think you can look back on Trey Lance when his first start, lost to the worst team in the NFL. Um, To me, I would look to trade Jimmy G and potentially Trey Lance uh, to get more pieces, get Brady, let Purdy learn under Brady for a whole season. And that's only going to make him better. You can probably make a run at the Super Bowl. I would assume they'd be the favorites, and let Brady go out with his hometown team, with his you know childhood team, and uh, I think that'd be a cool way for it to go. And and then you can let Purdy take the reins when that's over, and watch how it's done by by the goat. Uh, but I think the Ra- either the Raiders, like Liam said, makes a lot of sense. Uh, and of course San Fran would be really cool, but we'll see how that all plays out.
0: Safran would be, I mean, as a as someone in, as you know, my team's in the NFC. I would want Tom Brady to kind of leave because I'm kind of sick of this man, and it's only been three years that he's been in Tampa Bay. But I'd rather shove him back to the AFC with the Raiders or somebody to make them their problem again. But for the 49ers, I, it would be smart to take Tom Brady. I do think because Trey Lance is young and and whatever experience he's ex- he sustained at the beginning of the season was kind of wiped out with the injury. I think it's an easy point to say that he's the most inexperienced starting quarterback or potential starting quarterback like the league's almost ever seen because he did take like a year off in college and he just played a division or an FCS schedule or an FBS, whatever the other one is. I can't keep him straight ever. That's FCS. Yeah, at North Dakota State. Didn't have a lot of games under his belt there. Comes into co- comes into the NFL and just hasn't gotten the, the minutes and, and the plays and the snaps to – To really have a feel for the game yet. I mean Brock Purdy's played more games than Trey Lance now um, At six and oh, so if you want to bring in Tom Brady kind of let those two learn under them That wouldn't be a bad decision by by San Francisco. I do like that idea. I do think that that the Raiders have Maybe a more favorable Argument just because there's not that I don't know. I don't really know It's a tough one between both teams. It's 50 50. If he wants to go to either place, if I'd assume, if I was just like putting a a feeler out there right now, I'd probably take the Raiders because, you know, Tay Adams there, Josh Jacobs gives him more of a direct system that he's used to rather than the complex system of Kyle Shanahan and how that offense runs. Tom Brady's going to want to be the focal point. And, you know, we've kind of already figured out with San Francisco that you can almost plug and play any quarterback in that system and, and it works pretty well. So maybe Tom Brady wants to have an easy end of his career, but. Knowing the way that guy works, he's gonna want to uh to go out you know guns ablazing bat swinging and and try to get that last ring for him,
1: yeah, i agree i mean <laughs> I, I I would be kind of shocked if you you know announced he was retiring again, but who knows with uh how his personal life's been this past season
0: yeah if he and announced- was oh, yeah if he announced he was retiring, would we really be shocked? Because, I mean, he did it last year and then he unretired. If anything, I'd be waiting for the social media post to come out two weeks later saying he's unretiring. Yeah.
2: It doesn't really make sense for him to retire, though. Like, if you're going to go ahead and lose all that you've lost in unretiring, you may as well play for another five years and milk this as long as you can. Because it truly, like, why would you come out of retirement, lose your family, essentially, that you had, the relationships that you had, that was, you know, the family bond. Mano is still their still family It's not nothing changed in that matter, like with his kids. But with his wife and all that, that's completely changed. Why come back or why leave when you could have just left a year ago and, and not risk everything that you risk?
1: Yeah, I do agree with that. I mean, that's like I don't expect him to retire at all. But, I mean, he likes a challenge, but at the same time, he may just, you know, kind of – I don't know, actually finish on a high note this time.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is two straight years he's walked out of Raymond James Stadium and kind of, you know, head down, didn't really look around much, just kind of belted out of the stadium, and everyone's expecting to have some big announcement from him. And, you know, last year he took a few weeks to decide he wanted to retire, and this year he said that, you know, he's going to take some time by himself to figure out what his next move is. And whether that is to go to San Francisco or Las Vegas or back to, you know, just back to his house and, and, and end off his amazing, his amazing career. We kind of got to wait and see, but it's almost one of those things where you just hold your breath the whole time until, and until the first snaps of the 2023 season roll around. I don't know if I'll truly believe him in whatever he does. Yeah. I don't yeah. see
2: why any team would not want him seeing that this guy just broke the record for most completions in a season at 45 years old. I mean, he put up four, 4,600 yards. 25 touchdowns, nine interceptions, or 24 touchdowns, nine interceptions. You compare him to Justin Herbert's stats, who's a 24-year-old in his prime. Uh, he had the only difference in the stats between Herbert and Brady was 100 yards, in which Herbert had 100 more yards, and but Herbert had an extra pick, and they had the same amount of touchdowns. So I just I don't see where this guy's slowing down. He's really he's really not slowing. Down. I mean, you look at his stats now, and I've said this before to Hayden. His stats this year were better than each of his first seven years in the league. I mean this there's there is no slowing down from this guy and he's still the great Tom Brady and I I would still take a chance on this guy at 45 years old.
0: I mean, it's a tough one because you get the argument with running backs similar to this all the time, where when running backs hit kind of the age of 26, they will fall off a cliff most likely. That's kind of – that's actually an outlier for this season because, like, a lot of the top fantasy running backs and some of the top running backs this year were over the age of 26, like Derrick Henry and Christian McCaffrey still. But usually when you get those running backs and they hit, like, over, you know – three 400 carries a year the next season they're typically not as well off they'll technically usually have a down year just because of the strain it put on their body to to get you know belted that many times and for tom brady at 45 years old yeah it's impressive that he you know broke his record for completion or you know attempts completions in a year but is that really something that you want to be relying on as much out of a 45 year old quarterback and i'm sure a lot of that came from the buccaneers being an 8 and 16 being a team with not a very good offense bottom bottom third in the league definitely and they had to play behind for a lot of the times and we kind of saw that with the in the cowboys game where tom brady attempted 66 passes i believe which is definitely not a way you know that's that's not a system you want to rely on and so i I mean chris i'll agree 24 touchdowns nine interceptions it's been a great year for him uh not nowhere near as good as it was last year and last year he's still the team and the coaching to get him to a super bowl and they've Fell short a little bit to the Rams in the in the divisional round and that spectacular game, but wherever he goes in the future, I do think it needs to come down to the coaching staff and how they implement him and if they want him to be a pure pocket passer or you know kind of just be a guy to 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 be a checkdown guy, be a guy to dump off plays, be a manager. He's done that a lot of his career and he's also taken that you know pocket passer shotgun kind of quarterback style, but. If he goes to San Francisco, we know that's going to be implemented. If he goes to the Raiders, I, we don't know how that system is going to work under Josh McDaniels, but he is familiar with him. So I don't know. It's kind of a tough one, but I think Tom Brady's got to be smart with his offseason move because, you know, where he goes or, or what he decides to do retirement-wise, it's, it's going to affect it. And, you know, we kind of saw the downtick in play he had this year because, yeah, he set some records. But if you watch the Cowboys-Bucks game, it was not reminiscent of Tom Brady whatsoever.
2: Do you blame that on Brady, though, or do you blame that on what he has around?
0: Well, I was going to say, you can you can put some of the blame on the Cowboys' defense. They had a very good plan with it. And, I mean, for Brady, you still have Mike Evans. You still have Chris Godwin. Russell Gage was in the game most of the time. Julio Jones. But do we
2: think, do we think outside of Mike Evans that any of those guys are, you know, top 20 receivers in the NFL?
0: Julio Jones, definitely not. Chris Godwin has that ability, but I, but he's still coming off injury. He's not as explosive as he's been in the past. Russell Gage is a quality guy. I'd say he's top 40. Top thirty maybe, but I mean that's still. I'd, I'd, say, argue, as like overall,
1: I'd it's, say as like an overall. I'd say it's like an overall core. They're probably a top six to seven yeah. group of receivers.
0: I was about to say that. I mean, just for contrast, because the the team they played, they have a better receiving core than Dallas at the moment. I'd argue. I think a lot of the way Brady played, well, a lot of the way the offense struggled came down to the coaching, because like you said, Todd Bowles doesn't really deserve to be a head coach. But, I mean, if you watch that game against the Cowboys, Tom Brady threw like five or six passes just absolutely in the dirt. And he looked like... I did notice that. It wasn't great. He looked like Uyungule out there for a few snaps. Well, I mean,
2: he throws 66 times eventually. I mean, some of them got to be bad.
0: Well, I'm I'm talking like in the dirt yards in front of the receiver. And this is Tom Brady we're talking about. Greatest of all time, despite his age. You'd expect him to make some of these like seven, eight-yard completions, and he just didn't. There was a play I remember... When they were they were trying to drive right before the end of the half, the first half, and he just kind of threw it ten yards over the head of Mike Evans, I believe, on the left side when they were trying to get a quick eight nine yard checkdown. And those are just things that you don't see out of Tom Brady that much, and that comes down on him. And I'm not saying that's going to take away a team from recruiting him, but I do think that you know there's going to be question marks for some teams going forward because he's I don't think he is the quarterback that he used to be even just a few years ago, I think there is a usually there always is a cliff that quarterbacks fall down. And I do believe that Tom Brady's, you know, he's avoided that cliff for a long time, but I think he's slowly, slowly approaching it now. But
2: I do know this. The last time this guy was changing teams, everybody was suspect of what he was capable of. Everybody was like, eh, he's got to hit the cliff. He's probably hit the cliff. So there's no reason to take a chance. I mean, the Raiders passed on him the first time, but Gruden Third. said, "No, we'd rather keep Carr instead of you. And, I mean, look how look how that benefited the Bucks and look how that benefited the Raiders. The Raiders no longer are going to be with Carr and have gotten nothing out of that since that time. And the Bucs are Super Bowl champions and been to the playoffs three straight years. So yeah. my question is, do you make the same mistake twice or do you, you know, do the right thing? And I think the right thing is taking a chance on a guy who's time after time after time proved everybody wrong. I think
1: if they do it for the fans and, like, like genuinely do it for the fans and maybe, you know, short-term organizational goals, like, I'd say they do it. But, like, if, that, if they're aiming for eight to ten years down the road, maybe not. But, I mean, if I was in the Raiders office right now, I would be trying to sign that guy to uh, it, at least a one-year deal, at least give
2: somebody a hurrah. I mean, same with San Fran. They haven't won a Super Bowl since the 90s as well, correct? Correct. They've been to two, but they haven't won one. Exactly. I mean, you obviously it's the quarterback position not pushing them over the edge because I know they've had elite defenses both times.
1: hmm Yeah. I mean, you know, that's still TBD this year. They still got a shot. And, I mean, it doesn't seem like Brock Purdy's, you know, left lifting off that gas pedal even though he's in the playoffs.
2: Yeah. I mean, yeah, it'll be interesting to see his play as the the games, you know, stakes get higher and higher.
1: Yeah. I mean, it only took him about a drive to settle in this past week. So that was, you know, encouraging to see if you're a Niners fan.
2: Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting when he when he's able to play a team that, you know, maybe can be punch back a little bit stronger than the Seahawks. And that'll be yep. that'll be when it's interesting to see how he responds.
0: Fair. That's gonna be the big, I think the big Battle for him in this in this divisional matchup with the Cowboys, he hasn't faced a quality defense yet. He just came off of you know a game in the wild card against Seattle, where it's a divisional opponent. He knows them well. The, the coaching staff knows them well, so they can game plan for Seattle very well. And he was phenomenal in that game, and I'll give him all the credit. He's now six knows a starter got a playoff one under, under his belt as a rookie. That's something not a lot of people. Um, it's a very finite list where rookie of rookies that can win a playoff game, but. You know, like I said, some of the the five games in regular season he played, they weren't against the toughest of competition, and now he's going at, going up against a Cowboys defense that absolutely snuffed the Buccaneers offense, which isn't a great offense nonetheless. But Cowboys defense, Micah Parsons, those guys have been known as one of the best defenses in this in this league this season, and they're going to come out with revenge on their mind from the game last year where they lost in Jerry World, and now it's their turn to go to the Niners' home field and defeat them. But for Brock Purdy, you know, in the games that he's played since he's since he's taken over. I mean, the Cardinals, Raiders, Commanders, Seahawks, these are the defenses he's been playing. And the offense has been spectacular, but there hasn't been a lot of pushback. And for the Cowboys to win this game going into Santa Clara, I do think that's going to be one of their main problems or one of their main you know, bullet points to focus on. Because this team is phenomenal in the run game. Their defense is top tier. Their pass rush is one of the best in the league. Secondary, while suspect at times, can still produce some good stops. And for the Cowboys, the one weakness that the the 49ers have that they need to kind of exploit if they want to win this game is that quarterback position because he's a rookie and he's done phenomenal so far so all rookies will have a moment rookies don't go undefeated the whole season even some of the better rookie seasons like um, uh, like ben or dak prescott in recent years you know there comes a time where you know they kind of falter i remember dak losing to the giants both times people thought they should you know bench him for tony romo and if Brock Purdy somehow becomes, you know, Mr. Irrelevant to go undefeated in the regular season and lead his team all the way to the conference championship or hell a Super Bowl, that's going to be one of the greatest stories in NFL history. But I don't know if he's that guy to do that story. And for the Cowboys, that's going to be their main focus. You got to get pressure. You got to do what they did to Tom Brady this past week and dominate the line of scrimmage on the defensive side and the offensive side to give Dak some time to time to pass. And that's going to be their best way to keep up. This game is going to be a track meet, and I'm excited to be in attendance. Yeah, it all honestly, it all comes down to quarterback play, because you can argue that
2: in every aspect of the game of the positions, Sam Fran is a tier above the Cowboys. However, like I said, it all comes down to quarterback play. If Dak completely outshines Purdy, then that could push it in Dallas's favor, and mm-hmm. you know, other vice versa. So. Yeah, I, do think- I think it's
1: going to come down to the Dallas offensive line versus San Fran's defensive line. I think if they can win that battle and give Dak, you know, enough time to get the ball out of his hands and show that he can shine a little bit, I think. Uh, I think it could lead to great things for Dallas, but yeah. uh, it's going to be hard containing uh, San Fran's defense for sure.
0: Yeah, you know, the offensive line has been kind of a, you know, Swiss cheese. A lot of this. This year hasn't been the best that Dax ever had and, and the rotation of players has been on and off all season it's kind of a mixture and we even saw against the against the Buccaneers that it was mixed up Tyron Smith at the left tackle, or at the right tackle position opposite of where he's used to playing. Um, Connor McGovern was used as a fullback for a lot of the time and Jason Peters the longtime Eagle he was on the left side to enforce and you have the rookie. um Tyler Smith he was at left guard so and that's a that's a formation the Cowboys hadn't run once all year and and then Jason Peters went down and they just switched some stuff up again and it was just it was just kind of a mess but it worked in the end of the end of the game so if the Cowboys trot that starting lineup out again we'll we'll see if if Kyle Shannon has an answer to it but it worked pretty well and if and I think that it could be a good answer for them I don't know. It's going to be a fun one. I do agree, Liam, that defensive line versus the offensive line for the Cowboys is going to be one of those main matchups because if Dak can have that time to throw this game, then he'll he'll be able to kind of cook the way he did against Tampa Bay because that 49 er secondary, like I said, it isn't the best in the world. It gets bailed out a lot of the time because of the pass rush the Niners have. They get to the quarterback so quickly that their secondary doesn't have time to get beat. But in a few cases where they have you know, had that ability – uh, or had that had the chance that they have to actually defend some some good offensive lined offenses, they struggle a little bit. So that's gonna be the main key the Cowboys are gonna have to focus on. For sure, For sure. All right, we got a little bit of time left in this first segment, so let's hop over to the AF side real quick. Chris, your Jaguars defeated the Chargers after a twenty-seven to nothing deficit. They came all the way back and won thirty-one to thirty. What do you attribute to this victory? Is it Trevor Lawrence's greatness, even though his, you know, his faults kind of put the Jaguars in that hole? Is it Doug Peterson making the difference this season? What do you, what do you, what was your thoughts on this game? Well, I mean,
2: hundred percent, it starts with Dougie P. I mean, what Doug Peterson's done uh, with this team in, in a year span is absolutely phenomenal and should not be overlooked. I mean, this guy took a team that was picking first overall for the past two seasons and, and has completely changed the culture and, and everybody's mentality. Uh, throughout that organization, and I think that's awesome. And I think, to be honest with you, I think I said it before, and I'll say it again. Doug Peterson is probably the best move that the Jaguars have made in the entirety of the franchise and in their history. I think that was one of the best moves they've ever made, and it, it's showing now. Um, I think what he was able to do with his quarterback getting off to a horrendous start and and rallying that team and getting him to play at you know the level he knew he was capable of. And winning that game is just phenomenal. And that's what great coaches do. And Doug Peterson's obviously a great coach. Um, I'm proud of what the Jaguars were able to do. And, you know, this year we've been the comeback kids. Uh, we've done it against Dallas. We did it against quite a few teams. Um, and we've we've never really, you know, counted ourselves out until it was, you know, officially over. And a lot of the times we've been able to come back and win these tough games. I think we did it against the Raiders as well. And, you know, this just shows the heart that this team has and and that's something that Doug Peterson brought. He brought a lot of heart and he, he instilled that into this team. And that's why they're such a scary team in the years to come, because you know, they're young and then they're built around this culture that he's brought. And to me, that's special and really gonna go a long way. And that's why I'm excited about Jaguars football, you know, in the coming years.
1: What a sa I, I couldn't believe it. I turned it off at uh at halftime just because I mean, you know, starting to get late there and it wasn't very much a competitive game. And you wake up in the morning and you see that the Jaguars won and you're like, Holy crap, what an what an <laughs> absolute performance. But I mean, you know, that that might be the best performance of a quarterback that we've seen in a turnaround. And like you said, I think it all goes back to Doug Peterson. I mean, we've seen – all seen the meme videos of Trevor Lawrence trying to motivate his guys saying, you know, he couldn't motivate me to make a sandwich. Well, you know, I think Doug Peterson motivated the heck out of that young man uh, at halftime, and, I mean, he spread the ball around great. All four, you know, major receivers that Jacksonville has, you know, had a touchdown and, you know, decent amount of yards – uh, and I I think that just goes to Doug Peterson's game plan that he was able to reset the whole team at halftime. And you know, I if if I'm a Jaguars fan, I'm certainly excited for the future. It'll be uh be interesting to see how they can uh how they can fend this week against the Chiefs.
0: For sure, I think it just goes to give Jaguars fans and and NFL fans in general of quarterback play a lot of hope for Trevor Lawrence. Awful season as rookie year under Urban Meyer, which you can almost put an asterisk on and scratch from the history books because there's just no telling what the potential of him was that year if he had any other head coach other than Urban Meyer. You taken Doug Peterson this year, and despite some recent, or despite early troubles uh, with the football team, and you, know, you had a slow start. The Jaguars did. You turned on the Jets in, in November and December when the time mattered, and Trevor Lawrence was winning all his games on the stretch, posting stats comparable, if not better, to. Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen and other of the great AFC quarterbacks. And you come into the playoffs, you throw four picks right off the gate, and there's already, you know, Twitter's blowing up saying that this guy, you know, this is who he is, it's all been a fluke, blah, blah, blah. And and Trevor Lawrence kept his cool. You go into the second half, you know, you get a score under your belt before half, and you go into the final two quarters of the game knowing that you have a shot and believing that you have a shot, and they and they pulled the damn thing off. And I think it does say a lot about the quarterback Trevor Lawrence is and, and – the coach that doug peterson is and that they kept these kept the whole team you know level-headed believing in themselves this is a game that they could pull off in front of their home crowd nonetheless and i think it's it's just one of the most impressive wins of this postseason if not the entire season because despite the faults of the chargers we can get into why the chargers lost this game but they're still a quality football team and this was a game the jaguars needed to win and they got it done and they have a chance in the divisional round to uh to play, you know, the best of the best in the AFC and the Chiefs and and maybe shock the world.
1: For sure. For sure, yeah.
0: And for the Chargers, Staley has – he's not been fired yet, but I think he's – Not yet. He's probably no. on the chopping block. And They actually know. just
2: said that his job was never in consideration.
1: Hmm. Mm, interesting.
2: Yeah, I mean – Dallas yeah, The GM said he was asked today if head coach Brandon Staley's job was ever at stake, and he said no. That was probably more media discussion than ours. The front office belief in Brandon hasn't changed. He's got our belief. Our players believe in him. He's a tremendous leader.
0: Hmm.
2: Interesting. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, they've, already, they've already got rid of their OC, if I'm not mistaken, on that one. And that's one of the bigger reasons to why they screwed this game up in the first place. Because you go into the second half, you're up by a billion points thanks to the four interceptions from Trevor Lawrence and Austin Eckler barely got any touches the entire second half. They decided to throw the ball a lot more often than you really think you should when you're leading that by that much. And even if you go three and out, if you just run one series where it's three runs to Austin Eckler up the middle or around the outside and just stay in bounds, you're burning off, you know, a minute and a half, 2 minutes of the clock, and that's that's the time you needed to to stop Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars offense from coming back. It, every minute matters in these kind of comeback situations and that's why teams typically elect to, you know, to run the ball, to bleed clock, to end the game, because they want to force those, force the offense on the other side to really hustle things up and make mistakes, and you know, one little error can cost you. And they didn't allow themselves the benefit of the doubt, and they allowed the Jaguars to, to put up all those points on them, and and gave them the time necessary to do that. And I think that's one of the bigger faults that came from the offensive coordinator, and it came from Brandon Staley because that's their decision to make. And I think. You know, it led to frustration in the defense. We saw that with Joey Bosa throwing his helmet and allowing the Jaguars to have a much easier yeah. attempt at that at that two point conversion, which ultimately won the game.
2: there was some there was some horrible refing in that game as well. so i I definitely understood why Joey Bosa was so upset.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: yeah. but I mean, you also got to give kudos to you know, Jacksonville's defense, too for you know not allowing any mistakes to happen on their part I mean they only allowed three points the whole second half and you know part of that's on you know Los Angeles's uh kind of conservative almost game plan you know since they were up but you could also argue that that they didn't score enough points off of turnovers I mean a couple field goals and I think they also had uh the where the fella muffed it inside the ten, and they only got a field goal off of that. So very good point. I mean, yeah, I mean, you could argue that LAC didn't, you know, take enough advantage of uh, the early opportunities that they had in the first half.
2: You know, you you look at it, and it just kind of looks at a lack of experienced coaching in the playoffs. That's what, that's how I look at it. Like these coaches obviously did not know what to do in this moment in this environment. And it showed. I mean, they went up 27-0. And like you said, they went extremely conservative and completely took themselves, you know, and put themselves into a position to lose the game. You know, they did everything to lose the game rather than everything to win the game. And that's just yeah. a lack of experience of coaching in these
0: moments. Mm-hmm. I do I do agree. Here, we're going to go into a quick break here. And when we get back, we'll finish off the rest of these wildcard game slots. And we'll do some game picks for divisional rounds. So stay tuned for that. And we'll be right back after this break. We are back here on off the bench my name is hayden joiner joined with liam Worley alongside me chris had to leave so he is adios but liam we're still on so we'll stay on for another couple yes, minutes sir. um i want to get into this game other game on the afc side bill uh, bills and dolphins a two versus a seven seed one of the two matchups and the matchup with the biggest point spread uh, you know obviously with with no tua for the dolphins at quarterback and they're starting Kyler, skyler thompson opposite side under center. It it just kinda had that ring of, you know, this game's gonna be a blowout, divisional match divisional matchup. We've seen these two teams play multiple times this year. They split the series um one to one over the course of the season. But that didn't that didn't necessarily or that wasn't necessarily the case. This was one of the more competitive games of the of the wild card weekend. And it was one of the most almost shocking games because Miami almost put off the victory. Thirty one to thirty four. They they fall to the Bills, but you know they had they had some turnovers. They had the scoop and score for the touchdown uh, earlier in the third quarter that kind of put the game on notice for a lot of the outside audience who were kind of tuning in, tuning out of this game because they didn't expect much to happen. And for the for the bills, it almost was a game you you leave feeling worried almost as you come up to your matchup against Cincinnati in the divisional round because if Josh Allen plays the way that he did against Miami, I don't know if you could trust the Bills advancing to the AFC championship game. He's going to have to turn the, you know, his play around because it just wasn't at the level that he's going to have to be at to, to defeat a lot of these other AFC Titans to get to the Super Bowl.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, we said last week that Miami was going to have to have a great defensive game, uh, which, you know, they gave up 34 points, but they still were able to you know, get those turnovers and capitalize enough off of them. Uh, you know, scoop and score, two interceptions. I mean, you know, I think if you're a Bill supporter, you know, all you need to do is really clean up Josh Allen's act. And, you know, that game's untouchable for Miami. And uh, I mean, I would argue that this quarterback matchup with Joe Burrow and Josh Allen is more crucial. Than the one we were talking about last segment with Brock Purdy and Dak Prescott, because mm-hmm. I mean, if yeah, if if Josh Allen plays like this against you know a full on Cincinnati team, I you know they're not gonna they're not gonna capital not capitalize off of those opportunities. You know, I mean, there's just too much talent for those guys. And uh, I mean, even though Cincinnati didn't play you know necessarily as great as what we were hoping uh against the Ravens. Uh, you know, it's interesting that like, I don't know, just Joe Burrow goes into these games with that mindset that he's gonna come out victorious and it doesn't matter who's on the other side. You know, it could be it could be a David, it could be a Goliath, and he's ready to, you know, tumble them all down.
0: I mean for Josh Allen, I mean it's it almost feels like a game for Allen that he needs to win. All those other all his other, you know, quarterbacks in the AFC alongside him Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes especially those two that he's always compared to you know as the top three guys in the AFC let alone maybe the league both of them have been to a Super Bowl already and Josh Allen has yet to cross that off his list and this was a year going into the into the preseason that you know him and the Bills were were lauded as being Super Bowl favorites Josh Allen's an MVP favorite and it's looking you know it's looking the way that he's not going to end up getting bad he's going to fall fall falter that to Patrick Mahomes yet again and the Chiefs are Super Bowl favorites out of all the remaining teams now and it's almost a disappointing year for the Bills given the preseason expectations and I feel like going forward in these playoffs it's almost you know Super Bowl victory or bust for Buffalo and if Josh Allen and the Bills want to accomplish that feat he's going to have to play like the elite quarterback and have that elite stardom that we know that he can do and you know despite scoring the 34 points Last week in the wild card round against against him, or against Miami, it just didn't it just didn't feel like it was enough. It didn't feel good enough from Josh Allen. Like we like we know they can play. I mean for Buffalo on their offense, you know they were more efficient on third down. They had almost double the yards as Miami, almost double the yards per play, more completions, more yards per pass. It's just those minor details that kept Miami into the game. And it's those minor details that fall on the shoulders of Josh Allen, the two interceptions. They lost four fumbles as an offense. And luckily, or they they gave up four fumbles, only lost one. They were able to recover the other three. But it's those small mistakes that, you know, a quality team like Cincinnati is going to take advantage of. And Josh Allen's going into this game against Joe Burrow. And if he wins that game, he's got to face either Patrick Mahomes or Trevor Lawrence. And neither of them are Skylar Thompson where, you know those quarterbacks aren't going to put up only 240 yards in total offense during the game. He's going to have to find ways to to minimize mistakes cuz other teams are definitely definitely going to counteract. And I'm not saying definitely. he's the only I'm not saying he was the only one playing sloppy against Miami. There's a number of other players that had their moments that that kind of screwed that game up and and allowed Miami to stay in the game, but Josh Allen's the one with the 200 million plus dollar contract. He's the yeah, one I mean, who's going to be the fault's going to fall on him because he. if you're taking up that much of your salary cap, if you're taking up that much money, that much of the stardom, if you're, you know, an MVP favorite going into the season, you got to play better.
1: Definitely. I mean, he's their keystone, you know, uh, and, you know, the Chiefs and the Bengals, you know, did better in the playoffs last year compared to, you know, Josh Allen. And if you're a Buffalo fan, you have to see him play well this game or else, you're definitely let down. I mean, I've been saying it for 11 months. The Bills have been my favorite to win the Super Bowl in that amount of time and you know, right now is not the right time to falter if you are Josh Allen. So, you know, if he can just clean up those little things like you were saying, those little details, you know, they're they're favored to win the game and if if he plays like the way that he should, I think it's I think it's going to stand true uh with with it being played in Buffalo.
0: It's going to be, he's going to need, you know, all of his might in this game. Cause you know, they gave up 31 points in Miami with Skylar Thompson. A lot of that came down to some short fields off turnovers and some luck, but even back dating back to the regular season, after the Von Miller injury to the Buffaloes defense, they haven't looked the same. Um, they haven't been as stout as they were at the beginning of the year where they were giving up like less than 15 points per game for a lot of the time. And, you know, for Josh Allen, it's just minimize those risky plays, minimize those, those faults that he had like that he that he showed against Miami even even like even going back to the regular season he's he's not been the best in keeping the ball safe he's thrown a lot of ugly passes that have resulted in interceptions all year and going going into the game against Cincinnati he's got to you know get rid of that throw to the easy option passes underneath don't ignore them like he did against Miami don't run into clean and in, or don't run away from clean pockets into sacks trying to make a play or chucking up risky deep balls just because you know you want to prove that you're like you're that hero player. It's just minimize those mistakes and I think they'll be good. And I don't know who I'm going to pick for that game yet, but we'll get into that in a second. But it's just he's just got to be safer with it and I do think he will. He can bounce back from it. It's just you got to keep that in mind cuz it only gets harder and if he wants to break that stigma and be up there with the class of the AFC, you know, he's got to at least make a Super Bowl this year, I feel like.
1: I think so too, but I mean, also if you're a Bills fan like they haven't had a running back that they can count on. And if you're Josh Allen, you know, you want a running back that you can count on. So it takes a little bit of that weight off of his shoulders. Cause I mean, Devin Singletary and James Cook, you know, they're, they're decent, but they're not, they don't carry enough weight of the whole offense to where, you know, Josh Allen, his gameplay is purely dependent on whether or not they perform the way that everybody wants them to. Uh, like, uh, I mean, James Cook had that fumble, and he didn't lose it, uh, you know, but it's it can't be that way for the future if you want to see long-term success for this organization.
0: Mm-hmm. I do, do agree. Are right, you going to get into some, some previews and some game picks, Liam?
1: Yes, sir, I'm ready.
0: All right, let's start with this game since we're already on it. Bills and Bengals, Four games left, five games left, or no, seven games left total in game picks, four divisionals, two conference championships, and one Super Bowl. You're mathematically winning, or you're going to win this season in the final season, uh, while we're in college. So congratulations on that one. Thank you. And sure. Let's hear your expertise. What's what's your preview for this game? How do you think Buffalo or Cincinnati can can pull this one out and who do you have winning it?
1: Uh I mean, I think this this is gonna be one of the best games of of the whole year really mm. uh, that we've seen, which, you know, Bills have been in a couple of those. Uh, so uh, it's going to be tough, man. I, I'm leaning towards the Bengals. Uh, I, I'm a big Joe Burrow guy. I think they have all the right pieces on offense at this point. I mean, even if they don't have, you know, as good of an offensive line uh, that you would like to see. But Joe has taken what he's learned from last year, and applied it to this year, and it's just made him that much be- more potent of a quarterback. So I think the Bengals are going to sneak it out. uh it, It's definitely going to be a one-score game, in my opinion. I think I do think Josh Allen's going to play good enough to where they can win this game. I just think the Bengals are going to outclass them in in the details.
0: For, yeah, for Cincinnati, they had, and I'd argue that going forward, even even facing the Bills and potentially the Chiefs or the Jaguars or whatever that. The NFC has to throw at them in the Super Bowl if they make it that far. I want to. I really want to say that they they face the toughest defensive opponent they will have to in Baltimore for them specifically. Even even if they face San Francisco or the Eagles defensive line in the Super Bowl, I I think that just the way the Ravens prepare for that game and set up that game, they obviously as divisional opponents, they know how good the Bengals are and they know kind of how to defeat them. You know, they pushed all the right buttons against Cincinnati to to prevent them from you know really going off and. And claiming that like 10 plus point spread that the game was. They only they only won the game by by single digits, only a one possession game at the end of it. And it came down Yeah, to, and it, it, it came it down was to a, a 99-yard fumble recovery to put them in the lead. They were gonna go down seven in the fourth quarter. Yeah, exactly. I do think that was perhaps their toughest test they had to pass in these playoffs. And they passed it with flying colors, they got the job done. And Chris Collinsworth pointed out on the broadcast when during the game that Joe Burrow was, you know, essentially calling all the plays from the line of scrimmage. And that's not something you really want your quarterback to do all the time, but Joe Burrow executed it very well. He got the job done. And it's almost going to be a sigh of relief going to Buffalo because that defense is nothing like the Ravens. It's going to be a tad more forgiving. And the Bengals have, you know, as good a shot as any to, to repeat into the AFC championship game. And it is a really tough game to call. Like you said, it's probably going to be one of the best games of this entire season. We were, we were sadly, you know, that was taken away from us due to, due to the DeMar Halen situation a few weeks ago and we'll get a full 60 minutes of Bengals and bills this week in buffalo as opposed to cincinnati like it was back in week 16 i think 16 or 15 whatever it was um this is a tough one but like we were saying with buffalo earlier josh allen had a poor game against miami he's going to come in with a chip on his shoulder trying to you know bounce back from that prove some people wrong make it to an afc championship for the first time in a few years and you know hope for that revenge game against the chiefs and because of that might i just I'm going to go with the bills in this game. I think it's going to be extremely close. I mean, maybe 34, 31, same score like the, the Buffalo Miami game, but uh, I'll keep the Buffalo bills rolling on this one. It's, it's going to be tight. And honestly, any team could take this, but I think it's just, you know, despite the shortcomings of Josh Allen, this in the wild wildcard round and some of the last weeks of the regular season, I do think they're going to pull this one out and, uh, and sneak this victory by Cincinnati.
1: For sure. I mean, I, I can't wait to see this game, but you know, if if you're a Buffalo fan, at least you have, you know, the comfort of it being at home. And uh I can imagine it'll be some hostile conditions in uh Orchard Park.
0: Mm-hmm. Jump over to the other side of the AFC. Chris's Jaguars against the Chiefs. Four versus one seed, but you know, despite being close in the seeding, uh, this game does have one of the bigger point spreads. I think the biggest of the remaining games, maybe close with the uh with the Giants and the Eagles. But Jacksonville's coming yeah, into this is Arrowhead. the biggest spread. Biggest spread. What is it at? Yeah, nine right now. Nine. Jacksonville's coming to Arrowhead, number one seed. Andy Reid's like almost undefeated after a bye week, it seems. He's like 40-4 and four or something ridiculous. Wow. I know, I mean, Kansas City's favored. We know what they have, but for, for Jacksonville, what, what do you think needs to set them apart in this game to, to have a shot?
1: Uh... You know, Trevor Lawrence is going to have to play a whole game this week compared to a half. Uh, with <laughs> that Chiefs, that Chiefs defensive line with Chris Jones is absolute. You know, it's going it's to cause him a lot of problems this game. Uh, so it's going to be how he can do that, and he's probably going to have to hit a lot of check downs to ETN or whoever, uh, so they can, you know, just get some positive yardage and not take sacks. Uh, I think. I think that's going to be the key is, you know, how Trevor Lawrence deals with the pressure. Uh, Man, I I see it being a tough, tough hill to climb if if you're Jacksonville right now. But, you know, Doug Peterson, like we said earlier, has the experience. Trevor Lawrence went through all the hoops last week. So, you know, he's got to be feeling pretty confident going into this game, regardless of who who his opponent is. But uh, I, I just see the Chiefs outclassing him. I'd like to say something about Isaiah Pacheco. He's, mm. you know, he's been an interesting guy who's didn't get a lot of snaps at the beginning of the season, but he's really shined as uh, the RB1 over there at Kansas City. And, you know, it, it just makes that Kansas City offense that much more dimensional that you have to stop that many uh, skill players.
0: Yeah, the emergence of him has really helped that offense kind of, you know, be more balanced attack rather than Patrick Mahomes just chucking the ball every play to Travis Kelsey or whoever he can find down in in the secondary. These two teams did face off um in the regular season, and it was a 27 to 17 victory for the Chiefs over Jacksonville in week 10. This was a game, I mean, the Chiefs defense on the road, this was in Kansas City, like this upcoming game will be. Trevor Lawrence, 29 to 40, 260 yards, two touchdowns. It wasn't an awful performance by him. And this was at the time when the Jaguars were 3-7 and seven at you know at the very bottom of the valley they were this season in, in terms of the valleys and hills they've gone through in 2022. But Trevor Lawrence is a different quarterback now. Like I said, in the last like five, six weeks, he was putting up numbers equal to, if not just slightly better than Patrick Mahomes. So he's going into this game with a little bit of revenge on his mind. And Doug Peterson and Andy Reid, they're the only two remaining head coaches with Super Bowl titles. So they know what it takes to win in these games, and... The coaching matchup, I think, is going to be a serious uh, talking point going into this game. It's going to be a fun one, and definitely, I hope, I hope the Jaguars keep it close. I really do. Um, the Chiefs are favored, like you said. You know, the greatest point spread uh, of the remaining four matchups, and that's probably going to be a little too much for the Jaguars to overcome. But making it to the divisional round after they started—I mean, at their low—is three and seven, like I mentioned. Or I mean, you've, even four and eight, if you want to push it that far. If you had told them that they had made to the, to the divisional round and had a competitive game against the Chiefs in Arrowhead, like I predict they will, I think fans will leave the season very satisfied for the future. Especially, you know, with Calvin Ridley coming in next year and them having, you know, they've had decent draft look recently, so we'll see how that goes. But I'll take the Chiefs winning this one, but I'll take it. I'll take the Jags to cover the spread, make it close, like you know, twenty four twenty eight. I do think Trevor and this this offense will put up a good fight.
1: I uh, I agree with you. I think, I think that's a dang good score prediction as well.
0: All right, let's hop over to the NFC side and round this thing out. I'm going to save my team for last because you just love to see it. Yes, Can sir. Just, the NFC East has three teams in the divisional round, which is the first time in who knows however many years where three teams from one division has taken up three of the remaining four spots in the playoffs for their conference. But Giants and Eagles, round three, the Eagles... Defeated the Giants twice this regular season, and you know, one time was in Week 18 when really nothing mattered, and you know, they trotted Jalen Hurts out there in the cold to, to kind of break some of the rust off of him a little bit. And the Giants' defense, even though they had like a lot of practice squad guys on it, they're arresting a lot of people because they were already locked into the six seed. They still, put, they put up a, a quality performance, losing 16 to 22, but it wasn't awful, especially against. Jalen Hurts as like the lead quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles that day. Um they allowed him or they held him for 20 of 35 229 yards, no touchdowns and one interception. So the Giants have been hot. They've been on a hot streak. They they defeated the Vikings who people, you know, people call the Vikings frauds, but they weren't an awful team this year by any means. And they're going to go into Philadelphia with with the chance to pull off one of the biggest upsets. And I, f- I mean, I feel like every time the Giants are in the playoffs in the wild card round or as a wild card team, they make something happen. And we saw that with our two Super Bowls under Eli Manning. And if Brian Dable hadn't already won Coach of the Year, I think this run in the playoffs certainly has stamped his name as Coach of the Year this season. If I had a bout, I'd vote his name. And I do think they're going to come into this game very, very prepared. And I'm, I'm really, I'm really close to, to betting on them to win this game because. As we all know, it's tough to beat a team three times in a season, and that's something Philadelphia is going to have to try to do against New York, and it's going to be a tough route. I really think it is.
1: Uh, I agree with you. I mean, I think if you're a Giants fan, I think you're more excited for the future than what uh, Jacksonville fans may be for their organization because Brian Dable has been able so much this year with very little if they are able to get you know a good receiver and you know stack their offensive line a little bit more you know a lot of their key players on both sides of the ball are very young I mean they have been great at picking offensive linemen in the draft with Thomas and Neal, you know both on from Georgia and Alabama who are the best of the best and if they are keep doing that and Sterling Shepard their best receiver you know the past three or four seasons has been out all season, and they've had to rely on guys that you know were on practice squads, like you said earlier this season. I mean, Isaiah Hodgins has been playing great, mm-hmm. and he he's that guy. He he came out of nowhere and has been performing. Richie James came out of nowhere from Middle Tennessee State and is performing now. And I mean, if you're a Giants fan, I think you're excited to see what you're able to do. And like you said, it's super hard to beat a team you know two times and now Philadelphia has to do it three it's uh it's going to be a hill to climb for the giants but i th- i think they can do it but i'm going to have to probably pick the eagles uh you've given jalen hurts enough rest to you know get back to 100% and we've just been talking about all year how uh, how they've probably had the best all around squad in the NFL so i think uh i think they're going to be able to get it to the NFC championship but I'm going to say this now so we can timestamp it <laughs> and, you know, make it next, next year yeah. or whenever I think the giants go to the Super Bowl next year. And Daniel wow. Jones is the MVP. That's my boldest prediction uh, out of all of my bold predictions. I think
0: we'll keep that hush hush in case Chris just decides not to listen to our episode. And you can save that for our bold prediction show <clears throat> our way too early prediction, sh- way too early bold prediction show. That's going to come out soon. So, Yes, sir. You tuck that one away in the file cabinet, and we'll bring that one out. I think I think it's that's crazy. I do think it, it's it's a good point to say that for Giants fans and for Jacksonville fans, no matter how these games in the divisional round end, I do think both teams can come away from the season feeling more optimistic than they've had in a decade. So you definitely, know, both squads. You know, it's just it's just been a great year for both teams. So huge props to them. And, and I want to give a shout out, like you said, Isaiah Hodgins came out of absolutely nowhere in the past few weeks to really help this team has really emerged as as Daniel Jones's number one option, eight receptions, 105 yards and a touchdown against Minnesota, where they won 31 to 24 in the wild card round. And just having a true number one by receiver, at least in the quarterback's eyes, if it doesn't, you know, stats wise, you can argue Isaiah Hodgins would be a, you know, a number two or number three receiver on some teams. But just having a guy that you can kind of rely on and and having a good target like that. it really it will help Daniel Jones going forward and against an Eagles team, which, you know, it's, it's one of the toughest defenses in the NFL where you can't sugarcoat that, but they have seen them twice already. And the first time the giants got blown out the second time they about won with practice squad players. And now you're facing off in the biggest stage that these two teams have played against each other in, in a long, long time. So it's going to be super, super exciting. To see what Daniel Jones can do. And if we were picking against spreads, I would go with the Giants because I think I need to do them some kind of justice just from this phenomenal year they've had. But I am going to pick the Eagles to win this game. Jalen Hurts has had plenty of rest now. And um Nick Siriani's first head coaching gig as a head or first playoff game as a head coach. We'll see what he can do. And same with Brian Dayball. Or well, his second game, I guess, because he did have the wild card round, but his first playoffs as a head coach. We'll see what both can do. I think this one's going to be extremely, extremely close. But Late game on Saturday, I'll take the Eagles because it just seems like it's just one of those years where they're kind of destined to to have some success. But I wouldn't count out the Giants one bit. They've been in these positions before, just in their franchise's history, and they've they come away with Super Bowl victories. So I would not be surprised yeah. whatsoever if they pull something crazy off.
1: It's going to come down to the defenses, man. Both of these quarterbacks have been great at uh, at great at limiting mistakes this year, and you know. Two of the most solid running backs in the league, too, that have also been good at uh, limiting mistakes. So it'll be interesting to see how you know both of them do. And uh but yeah, I, I rules are going to be able to outclass them.
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll give one last shout out. I mean, Brian Dable's done a phenomenal job this season. We already know. I think he's coach of the year. But just over the last couple of weeks of the regular season, and and. The playoffs last week against Minnesota, it, it kind of seems that he's really figured out Daniel Jones in this offensive system. Because I mean, yeah, Isaiah Hodgins is your number one receiver. And that just kind of shows that you don't have that star power necessarily on offense outside of of really Saquon Barkley. And the way he's implemented this offense to really make Daniel Jones successful, just it's worked really well. And especially against, you know, it, it worked great against Minnesota and the defense that's not that great. And a first year head coach and Kevin O'Connell with with that team. But glazed on Daniel Jones, I mean, he was in that game. You you look at one read, look at two reads. And if those aren't there, he just tells them to sprint. And that worked phenomenally. I mean, Daniel Jones was their leading rusher on the day, even more than Saquon. And I mean, he outside Lamar, you could argue he's like top three or maybe maybe even the best rushing quarterback, which is weird to say for Daniel Jones. But he has the numbers to back that up. And if they can implement, I'd say I'd say he's third, you'd say he's third. Yeah, I mean, he's he's right up yeah, there. Yeah, I would. I mean, the it doesn't look
1: graceful, but... No, yeah, I mean... He <laughs> doesn't it look does. graceful, but he gets the job done effectively. And, I mean, he's, you know, not afraid to get in between a few defensive players. And, he, you know, I didn't see him slide this past game. So, I mean, I think, you know, that to probably convert some... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean,
0: and he's been he's always been that guy to run. And I feel like people do underestimate that ability of his very, very often. I mean, there's always that joke video of him running for like the 60 yard touchdown and tripping like 15 yards before the goal line. And that's, that's going to follow him for his his entire career. But at least I'm putting that (laughs) to, to overcome that video. And, you know, he used to be kind of an indecisive, a turnover prone quarterback that people thought like, Oh, the Giants should cut after a year or so. And I do think, you know, I don't know if he's, the guy to lead you to a Super Bowl, but I think he's he's his ability is getting better and better every year. And even just in this season, you can witness that. Under Brian Dayball, he's made him successful. He's made Daniel Jones successful in this offense. And, you know, he's more decisive now. He knows when to throw or when to scramble or when to take a check down. And he was the difference maker in Sunday's game. I, I really do feel like. I mean Saquon Barkley had his moments, but Daniel Jones just continued and t- continued to make the smart play, not make mistakes against Minnesota's defense. And compared to the week 16 matchup where the Giants lost on that game winning field goal, you know, this is a completely different game for them. And for Minnesota, it was only like, it was almost like they played a different quarterback just from the evolution of what Daniel Jones has had. So, I mean, huge shout out for him. And we'll see if they can kind of continue the Cinderella run against the Eagles. And I mean, I'd love it for them to beat him because I do think the Cowboys have a better shot against the Giants and the Eagles. But I mean, I'm fine with facing either team, honestly, if the Cowboys can pull it yeah. out San Francisco. But we'll get into this yeah, one, sure. probably. I don't know would say it's the marquee matchup, but it's probably the NFL's favorite matchup simply because it's, it's two historic franchises, two of the biggest fan bases in all of the NFL across the country and two teams that have a very long and deep playoff rivalry. The 49ers and the Cowboys do they met in Jerry world last January where, you know, Dallas slid a little too late and did not leave enough time on the clock to clock the ball and, and make one last ditch effort to throw into the end zone. San Francisco came away with the win Dallas is going to look for revenge, and they came off af- came off probably one of Dag Prescott's best game of the year, one of the best overall games as a team they've had all season. Probably their best, I'd I'd argue, since the Minnesota game. And as for San Francisco, they're riding the Brock pretty high off of six straight victories. They score over 40 points against division rival Seattle. Both teams are coming in hot into Santa Clara. I wanna wanna hear what you got, Liam. How do you how do you feel going into this game for both teams?
1: Uh you know i'm i'm really interested i think this is my favorite week as well definitely uh you know across the nfl board i would say it's probably the most intriguing game and i'd call it the marquee matchup i mean it's the late sunday game uh mm-hmm. against you know like you said two of the most historic teams in the nation uh it's it's going to be ah, I don't know. I, I it's like I said earlier. I think it's gonna really come down to Dallas's offensive line versus San Francisco's defensive line. If you, you can give you know Dak that extra half second, second to make decisions, and you know keep the ball in safe positions on the field, I I think Dallas can you know scrape it out for sure. And that's kind of what I'm leaning towards right now. I do think that San Francisco has a better all around package. I mean, Brock Purdy's got ample amount of guys to throw to. You know, he's got Christian McCaffrey and Eli Mitchell, you know, back there in the backfield with him that are both good at running. You know, you can get Debo Samuel running, passing, receiving, whatever he wants to do as well. So, you know, if if you can just limit some of those big plays, if you're Dallas's defense – Which Micah Parsons is, you know, one of the best guys in the league. Trayvon Diggs has been playing well, and you know, after Dak had a few rough games at the end of the regular season, there he really shined this past week, and I think he's going to take that momentum. and I think that's, I think Dallas ends up getting the victory in a super close game out in Santa Clara.
0: Yeah, well, I'm glad you take Dallas. Um, Yeah, Dak Prescott. That might be the
1: first time all year I did.
0: Yeah, and I'll I'll applaud you for it. Um, Yeah, Dak, after that Washington game, it kind of just left a bad taste in a lot of Cowboys fans' mouth when going into the playoffs and just thinking this is going to be another year of a one-and-done, have a bad storyline all offseason about how we lost to Tampa Bay. And he put all that behind him, came out with one of the best performances of his career, First, uh, first Cowboy to ever have five touchdowns in a playoff game, and he joins a very, very small list of quarterbacks that have four passing touchdowns and one rushing touchdown in a playoff game. It was just it was just a phenomenal performance from him and from the defense all around the entire game. Outside of the one play where Xavier Rhodes got beat um, beat deep late in the fourth, and luckily the pass from Tom Brady was a little, little too long. But outside of that play, I felt the defense made very little mistakes the entire game and capitalized on, on a lot of the errors that Tampa Bay made, getting the, the interception in the red zone, like two plays after they showed the graphic where Brady hadn't thrown an interception in the red zone since he was a Buccaneer. It's almost like you could tell that was going to happen just from that graphic. Um, Screenwriters, man. Yeah, it's like, yeah, someone stole the script from the NFL and and tease it a little bit too early, it seemed. But yeah, this game. I mean, both teams are going on a high. It's tough to argue whether this a victory would mean more for the Cowboys organization and Dak Prescott, or if it matters more for Brock Purdy. But this is a, this is a game that both teams desperately want to win. San Francisco has one of their best teams they've had. I mean, they've had good teams that have gone to the Super Bowl in recent years, but I think this team's just right up there with the best that they've had. <laughs> And the NFC is more wide open than it's ever been with with young quarterbacks that Kyle Shanahan can kind of exploit, and their looks their their chance for another Super Bowl, their first one since the '90s, same as the Cowboys. It's it starts with this game right here, and it's going to be a dog fight. I truly believe, and like you said, defensive line versus offensive line on both sides of the ball, I do think is going to end up being a clear factor because for Dak the Cowboys and with their jumbled up offensive line, like we talked about earlier, gave him time to throw against Tampa Bay and if you give Dak Prescott time to throw he's gonna he's gonna do some damage because I do think he's underrated as a pocket passer and he's proven time in and time off that that he can get the job done if presented the opportunity and if the offensive line can hold up and, and keep Nick Bosa and those other guys at bay just a little bit then I think he'll be able to to do some magic against that San Francisco secondary and equally so I mean San Francisco comes in with one of the best run games in the league Dallas despite having the fifth ranked defense and you know, defensive player of the year candidate and Micah Parsons, their rush defense isn't the best in the world. We've seen that exploited time in and time, time out this season. And if San Francisco can get that going with Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel in the backfield and, and do a lot, of, a lot of stunts like that, they, they'll make some damage. But what this game truly comes down to with the teams, they're evenly matched, but the biggest differences are the quarterbacks. Even even the head coaches with Kyle Shannon versus Mike McCarthy. Both of these guys have been here in these moments. Both these guys know their teams very well. And as much you know, flack that Mike McCarthy gets, he's gone 12-5 and five with these Cowboys in back-to-back years. Led them to the first back-to-back playoff performances since 06 and 07. So I think he knows what he's doing. And I trust him a little bit in these matchups. Maybe not with all the time management stuff, but getting this team ready to play and getting this team in the right mindset and having the right game plan implemented with two days less rest, mind you, than San Francisco. I do think it's going to be a close game head coaching-wise. And that biggest disparity is Dak versus Brock. And if the Cowboys defense can exploit Brock Purdy in the way I think they will and mess with his head a little bit, get him in under some pressure. Then I think the Cowboys have a very good shot to win this. I mean, the best defense Brock Purdy's Brock Purdy has faced was Washington who are the 12th ranked. I believe all other defenses he's faced, including, you know, um, Seattle, like we mentioned and the Raiders and the other teams he's faced, they are all 24th or worse in defense. Are fifth. So where's that? Yeah, that's, that's Seattle, Las point, Vegas, man. Arizona, and Miami all have 24th or worse defenses, and Washington is 12th. So Cowboys, it's it's a different animal that Brock is gonna face. And I think they're gonna have a good setup for, for disrupting his ability to to you know deliver all those accurate passes and the rookie quarterback, the mystery relevant quarterback that he got drafted as might come to fruition a little bit. And so I'm gonna take I'm gonna take the Cowboys in a very optimistic game.
1: I like it, man. I like it. I really do. I'm pulling for the Cowboys. I think at this point. Uh, I mean, I'd like to see a Cowboys-Bengals Super Bowl. I think. I mean, as a Joe Burrow supporter, and then my dad's from Dallas, so I know he he hasn't said anything about the Cowboys, but I know he's secretly pulling for them. So I'm kind of uh hoping they can do something, man.
0: Yeah, I I sure do hope so. It's hope too. It's been it's been a long time coming. Never even see them in. Never seen them in an NFC championship game. So I'd like to see that sometime before I die. Yes, yeah. sir. It's gotta happen eventually, right? Hopefully. So. It's gonna be an exciting week of divisional round matchups. I think the cards that the NFL dealt us this year, it's gonna be great. I think, I mean, even with the Giants as a six seed advancing, I think them against the Eagles is gonna be a better game than the Vikings, Eagles would have been. I think the Eagles would have absolutely drowned out the Vikings. So I'm glad yeah. it's, it's a it's a three peat in a divisional matchup with the Giants. That'll be a fun one. And on the AFC side of things, like we've already talked about, there's some great storylines there. Doug Peterson versus Andy Reid with Super Bowl winning quarterback or Super Bowl winning pedigree and those quarterbacks' uh, experience versus inexperience, and then Josh Allen and, and Joe Burrow both going out to try to prove something that they couldn't prove in previous years. So it'll be a fun, fun set of matchups Saturday and Sunday. So stay tuned for all of that to all the listeners, and we'll be right back on Monday or on Wednesday next week in the studio officially uh, back for the semester, and we'll E-haw. be there to. Uh, to review all those games and preview the championship games and we will have a final dandy time.
1: So yes, sir. Dang. Right. Looking forward to it.
0: Oh yeah. Well, Liam, thank you for being on the rest of the show. Thank you to Chris for being on earlier, wherever he flew off to, um, remember to follow us on social media at off the bench XLR on Instagram to keep up with the show and look at posts, quotes, and more again, that is at off the bench XLR on Instagram to follow us on the show. Stay there for all up to dates on off the bench. As well, follow us on our podcasting network. We're available anywhere. Podcasts can be found on all major platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else that you listen. Just look up Off the Bench. You can find all episodes from all four seasons of Off the Bench on any major platform. Again, that is on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere else you listen. Off the Bench. Remember to stay in the game and Off the Bench and have a good night.